Welcome back to the gathering place of all nations. This Sunday morning, our very own Philemon Musho talked about the importance of prayer and how it is the passport to the throne room. Let's check in. Thank you very much, Pastor Tom, Pastor Monica. Uh, thank you, Pastor John, Pastor Victoria. We miss you, but uh, you can stay there for as long as it takes. <laughs> because I don't think that uh, it was coincidental for them to be there. Yeah. God really ordained it. Everything is happening for that same reason that things have to be happening this way. Uh, are we to pray for the offering? Stretch your hands towards the offering. Father, we thank you for what you have given us, Lord. And according to your word, we are giving it back to you, knowing that you will multiply it and give it back to us, Lord, that we will not have enough room to contain it. Bless those hands, bless those families, bless those individuals that you have given today. Those who have failed to give because of lack, we command the spirit of lack to leave those households, please, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Yeah. Um, so, a few years ago, uh, about 10 years ago, uh, I bought for my wife, I bought a, an iPod. You know, you, know, you know, when cell phones didn't hold enough music or they didn't have enough storage space, so you would put your, your music on the iPod. All you could do was to put those files there. Uh, a few years later, she, 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 she enjoyed using that iPod. <clears throat> a few years later, I came home one day, and uh, she's on the, she's kneeling down, and that iPod is wrapped in a kitchen towel, and she's she's praying over that iPod. So I went up, I came back later on, and then she said, uh, uh, I don't know, I forgot my iPod, and so it, it went into the washing machine. <laughs> <laughs> so, in my mind, at that point, I thought, so would you pray for an iPod? That's, that's me. I, I just thought, oh, no, that happened. So, it can't be revived. It's gone, it's gone. Fast forward to 22 January this year. Pastor John uh, asked me if I could preach today. I said, yes, I'll, I'll preach, I'll preach, I know. In my mind, I knew I had the message that I was going to be preaching today. So I said, I'll preach. And then uh, a week later, the Lord then started bringing back the story of the iPod in a sense that uh, do you have to pray for an iPod? At what point do you have to pray? 
Do you have to pray because you are feeling happy? Do you have to pray because um, things are not well? Do you have to pray because... Why do you have to pray? And then I, I said, oh, I'm sorry, Lord. I, I gave myself a slap. Because what I did... When I said to Pastor John, yes, I'll be praying. He said, go and pray about it. Go and pray about it. Don't worry, just, just give me a confirmation. And then I started praying. Lord, what do you want me to talk to your people about? It wasn't this message that I was thinking already. It was nothing to do with that. And so I am so happy that uh, the message, this is a message that I think I'm preaching for the first time here. And uh, I'm so honored to be ministering from here <laughs> for the first time. You guys are used to seeing me somewhere. But um, the Lord then started uh, showing me a lot of things about prayer. And I think it's no coincidence that uh, we are talking of revivals happening. We are talking of, uh, in the Bible, when, uh, when the Holy Spirit first fell in Acts chapter 2, they were gathered together in prayer. These people, this revival we are hearing about in America, they gathered on Wednesday, 10 a.m., for prayer. Now, prayer is confirmed to be like the central thing for us. What is prayer? It is prayer. Prayer is that um, passport for us to go to throne room. So let's, let's, we are going to, to talk about prayer. Um, we are going to spend a lot of time in the Word uh, after the word, we will get to do the practicals. We got to pray, right? And then after that, uh, if I forget, please remind me, I have a homework for you. <laughs> I have a homework for you. So come, to me, come with me, please, to the book of James, chapter 5. James, chapter 5. And we are going to read uh, verses 13 to 18. James chapter 5, 13 to 18. Okay. Um, could I have the New King James Version, please? Just so that whatever I'm reading, you guys also follow it. Okay, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has com committed sins, 
you will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Verse 17, and I like this, this uh, specific verse, 17 and 18. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly and it would not rain, uh, that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. Amen? Um, I said I liked that verse uh, 17 and 18, because there God is actually showing us, or rather giving us the confidence that prayer is not for the intercessory team. Prayer is not for the pastors. Prayer is not for, excuse me, uh, I didn't think I was going to be even preaching today because of some flu, but here we are. So he's giving us the, the confidence that we, it doesn't matter our title, yeah? yeah right. It doesn't matter who we are. Prayer is for you and I. And prayer, we have been told in the preceding verses that is anyone among you cheerful? Let them sing psalms. So, singing psalms, worship is prayer. So, these are things that the Lord himself expects of us. And once we understand what we achieve with prayer, we could do all that we need to do in order to have effective prayers. Now, what is it that you pray? We will, we will look at that. But at this point, allow me to say, this is the time for us to eat the word. Because when we pray, uh, how many times, I don't know, probably my wife is the only one who prays the good prayers. Sometimes I go to the prayer and I'm saying, God, I want this, God, I'm trying to arm twist God, right? <laughs> it happens. But once I get to feed myself and understand the word of God, when I go to prayer, I know what I am to say to God. In fact, I am not bringing any surprises to God when I go to pray. Because he himself says it this way. Um, in the book of Isaiah 65, 24, it shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer. And while they are still speaking, I will hear. So the prayers that we have prayed this morning, God knew about them. And as we were saying, God, he knew the full stop to that sentence. 
So we are not bringing any, anything new to God. We are just loving on him. We are just communicating with our Father. And we are just in that state where we are living our lives. So what, let's go back. What could we, how could we define prayer? What is prayer? Uh, these are not uh, definitions that I got from somewhere, but I was trying to build them to a level that I personally would understand, and I hope they are, they are helpful to you as well. I said, prayer is a relational communication with God. This is not a religious communication with God. By religious, I'm saying, okay, it's five o'clock. I need to talk to God. It's three o'clock. I need to talk to God. Um, what am I talking? It's um, as a father, if my son comes to me and says, Daddy, how are you doing? Ah, today was so boring. Ah, today I did ABCD. Ah, how was your day today? We are having a relational conversation. That's what prayer is to God. We, the children of God, are having a relational conversation to our Father. I also said that uh, prayer is a lifestyle, not an event. Uh, that means if um, I can define for you my Monday to Friday. Monday to Friday, I wake up uh, these days, I'm waking up a little bit late because I work from home. I do a visit and I know that at this time and this time and this time I have meetings at this time I have to do a visit. That's my five day lifestyle. And if prayer is a lifestyle and if the scripture has told us that if I am happy I'm to sing psalms, if I'm not feeling well I will need to call upon the elders of the Church, by the way, uh, we send the healing power of God to you, Helena. I know Helena is not feeling well as well today. Um, she has this flu, and um, we pray that God heals you in Jesus' name. Amen. So, if this scripture has kind of defined everything there is in our lives, the experiences that we have in life, and at the end of every experience, it's saying, let them pray, let them pray. That means our lifestyle is a lifestyle of prayer. And this is, um, if you look at it, it's, it's an exciting time. Can you imagine yourself, because I said it's a relational communication with God, can you imagine yourself uh, talking to God in prayer? God is there and you are saying, you know what? Today I'm just so happy and you are dancing. Today, oh Lord, I am struggling. And 
the good thing is, before you even go to him, he knew you were coming to say those things. Nothing is new to him. I also added the last one, which I think is quite, uh, we'll, we'll try to simplify how I see prayer or what I would call, I would define prayer. I said prayer is the passport to God's throne room. Uh, so in this, I was thinking God's throne room, let's suppose it's a country. It's a country called God's throne room. Uh, today, if I want to go to England, I will have to say, okay, let me book my flight, let me do this, let me do this, uh, where will I stay? And then, uh, When I fly from here and land in Heathrow, they will say, passports, please. And then I have to show them a valid passport. Now, prayer is that passport which does not require you to book any flights. You don't need to book any accommodation. You, it will just take you straight into the throne room. And each one of us, we have our own highway to the throne room through prayer. And we will, uh, by the way, I get so excited with the word of God. And uh, when that happens, unintentionally, my, my tongue just moves from zero kilometers per hour to 1,000 kilometers per hour, and I will be like, <laughs> my wife is here. She will give me the, no, don't give me the look, give me the smile. <laughs> if that happens, if that happens, yeah. It's, um, it's because the word of God is so, it, it makes you want to jump. It, it, it's, it's, it speaks. It speaks because it is his word. It is him talking to us. It is him. It doesn't matter the situation. He just enjoys it when he, he just hangs out with us. So I don't know about you, but I would love to hang out with him all the time. It doesn't matter how I'm feeling. It doesn't, he knows that uh, at six minutes to 10, this boy is gonna be feeling this way. So why don't I just be with him and just be talking to him? In any case, um, he is the one who designed all this. So we are going to spend a lot of time um, on the, a specific uh, scenario. Um, actually, before we go to that, let's, the, the, the Bible actually is, is pregnant, especially the New Testament is pregnant with so many scriptures on prayer. I, I think of uh, Philippians 4, 6, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And Jesus himself spent a lot of time, so many scriptures on prayer. And uh, 
Let's look at uh, Matthew chapter 6 from verse 5. This is when uh, the disciples had said, uh, Master, teach us how to pray. And before he taught them uh, the model prayer, which we sometimes refer to as the Lord's Prayer, I don't think it is the Lord's Prayer. We'll come to that later on. But I think it's the model or the disciples' prayer. I would love it if we called it the disciples' prayer because I don't think Jesus prayed that uh, prayer. We will, we will look at that in a moment. But from verse 5, And when you pray, you shall not be like the, the hypocrites, for they love to, to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, assuredly I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, Go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your father who is in the secret place, and your father who is in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them. For your father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. Again, that thing is, is being, Jesus is repeating those words again. Your father knows the things you are about to ask for before you even do that. Uh, what I wanted us to pick from these few verses in Matthew are the words he kept saying, and when you pray, he didn't say, and if you pray. That means you have to be praying. It's expected of you to be praying. Excuse me. It's expected of you to be praying. So when you pray, it's a matter of when are you going to be praying. But praying is a given, it has to be done. This is then, uh, he then went on in verse nine to say, in this manner, therefore, pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive those as we forgive our debtors, and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us to the, from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The reason why I said I think this prayer is the, the disciples' prayer is that part which says, and forgive us of our sins. Jesus, Jesus never sinned. He would not pray that, uh, that prayer to God because he, he, he never sinned. However, what he's doing here is giving us a model 
giving us a template of prayer. How do we pray? I would divide that prayer into three sections. Um, if you look at the first verses of that prayer, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I would take that part to be a part that, quote and unquote, reminds God of who he is. He doesn't need to be reminded, but we, call, we come to him, oh, Father, you are holy. You are in heaven. He is there, but we remind, we, we take, whenever we go to him, we take that um, step to remind him who he is. We move on to that section. It's about us. And forgive us. Uh, give us today our daily bread. And forgive us our debts. We are saying, we are, the Bible is clear, we are continuously, this flesh is continuously sinful. And God is a holy God. When we come to him in prayer, let us Acknowledge that I am the fleshly few. I am not the Jesus. And I am coming to a holy God. God, forgive us of our sins. Right? This, remember what I said at the beginning. When we go to God in prayer, let us not go there um, feeling guilty, uh, feeling like, uh, yes, we let us confess our sins when we come before him, but let us not go to him as condemned people because God is love. He loves us. He loved you and I even when we were not worth to be loved. I didn't deserve to be standing here or doing anything to do with God, but he, out of his love, dragged me into here, dragged you into here, dragged your family into here, dragged every one of us into his household. We have uh, people in our lives, sometimes we are like, but God, I save you. But why is my son behaving this way? Why is my grandson behaving this way? Why is my granddaughter? Why is my husband? Why is it's all in order? The word of God says, he knew even before you came to him. So he is going to take care of that. We have to take care of our part, whatever we need to do, we have to do that. And then the last part of that uh, model prayer, I would call it uh, the praise part. So whatever has happened, I have reminded God who he is. I then come back to my story, whatever. Whatever it is, remember, we are not to go to God only to ask for uh, God, can I have that Lamborghini, please? God, can I? No. 
even if when we just feel like, oh, you know what? Uh, today uh, I went to I went for golf with Rod and Johnny, and uh, both of them couldn't couldn't do the last bit. I did it. I'm so happy. <laughs> he loves it that way, isn't it? That uh, we as human beings, our own kids, our own granddaughters, grandsons, when they come to to us and they'll say, "Oh, Daddy, you look so. You have how come you have so big muscles? Yeah, you have big muscles. We 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 enjoy it, right? The same with our God." Because if we have to be, to be truthful, uh, if he had uh, a whip for every one of us, for every time we are not good to him, how many of us would still be alive? None of us. None of us. And so we need to have that confidence that I am going to a loving father. I haven't been good. However, I need to restore my relationship with this loving father. I need to enjoy the 100% love that comes from this father of mine. Father, I am here just to hang out with you. And let that be a lifestyle. Let that be a lifestyle. So using this model of prayer, we, we are going to go into Second Chronicles. And this is where we are going to spend most of our time here. Um, this is just an example of someone who is in a situation, one of those situations that have been defined earlier on. Remember the Bible was saying, is anyone of you in trouble? Is anyone of you happy? Is anyone of you not feeling well? Uh, God led me to Second Chronicles. Um, you all know the story of Jehoshaphat. Uh, we are going to, before we go to chapter 20 of Second Chronicles, let's go to chapter 17 of Second Chronicles. Uh, this is just so that we, we get to understand this Jehoshaphat before his experience in chapter 20. It's, uh, so Jehoshaphat, his father was the king of uh, Judah. Uh, and his father was Asa. When Asa died, Jehoshaphat became the king. Then Jehoshaphat, his son, reigned in his place and strengthened himself against Israel. And he placed the troops in all the fortified cities of Judah and set garrisons in the land of Judah and in the cities of Ephraim, which Asa, his father, had taken. Now, the Lord was with Jehoshaphat. Why? Because he walked in the former ways of his father, David. He did not seek the bows. If, if we can pause a little bit on there. I like it when the Bible says, now the Lord was with Jehoshaphat. We, we, we all say it, right? And the Lord is with us. 
the Lord with us. But when it says, now the Lord was with Jehoshaphat, it means there is that special relationship between Jehoshaphat and the Lord. Why? Because during this time, uh, there was a lot of sin happening. And uh, one of the worst ones was the worship of the bows. Jehoshaphat used not to be a worshiper of Baal. He used to put God first in everything. And I guess um, this is something that we need to always do. Uh, we were on verse 3, right? Now the Lord was with Jehoshaphat because he walked in the former ways of his father, David. He did not seek the bows, but sought the God of his father and walked in his commandments and not according to the acts of Israel. Therefore, the Lord established the kingdom in his hand, and all Judah gave presents to Jehoshaphat, and he had riches and honor in abundance. And his heart took delight in the ways of the Lord. Moreover, he removed the high places and wooden images from Judah. This is just like, uh, I, I, I thought this would just kind of summarize who this guy was. Very rich, someone who loved the Lord with all his heart. He didn't like he, the, the bows, he didn't worship the bows, he didn't like anything that had nothing to do with the Lord. But that's like us. Bad things happen to good people as well. Why? It's just so that God can show himself who he is, who we are, rather. And uh, that he will show that he is Lord not whatever is distracting us. We could say, oh, this man is rich, uh, as the word says, he has all, everything that he needed. Did he really need to be praying to God? Did he really need to, you know, all do these things? He had everything that he needed. And I mentioned earlier on, uh, or rather I said, why do bad things happen to good people? Because in the life of this man, we find um, in chapter 20 now, Second Chronicles chapter 20, we're going to read from verse 1. Uh, okay, we are good. From verse 1, it happened after that, after this, that the people of Moab with the people of Ammon and others with them besides the Ammonites came to battle against Jehoshaphat. Then some came and told Jehoshaphat, saying, A great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea, from Syria and they are in Hazazon, Tamar, which is Engadi. 
And Jehoshaphat feared. It's normal for us to be afraid. We are human beings. We have to be, when we hear such news, it's normal for us to be fearful. But look at what happened here. And set himself to seek the Lord. So the key there is when you are afraid, what do you do? We should seek the, the Lord. And proclaim the fast throughout all Judah. So Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord. And from all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. This is why we pray for godly leaders. When things happen, when uh, a virus breaks out, what do we do? If I was a godly father, if I was a godly uh, leader, do I do whatever I have to do? What, what decision do I make? Do I go to God and say, what do we do? When I am about to, do, to make any decision, what do I do? That's Jehoshaphat as a leader. He, he had to seek the Lord. He was a normal human being just like us. So it was normal for him to be afraid, but he knew where to go. And I think that's what we need to do as well. Verse 5. Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in, in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, now watch this. From here, we are seeing the first part of uh, the model prayer. We are, we are reminding God who he is. This is Jehoshaphat now. And said, O Lord of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? Our Lord, our Father in heaven. Are you not God in heaven? And do you not rule over all kingdoms of the nations? And in your hand is there not power and mighty so that no one is able to withstand you? Are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend, forever? And they dwell in it and they have built you a sanctuary in it for your name saying, if disaster comes upon us, sword judgment Pestilence or famine will stand before this temple and in your presence. For your name is in this temple and cry out to you in our affliction and you will hear and save us. This is the part he's just reminding God of. And in your prayer, it doesn't have to be like that. Because um, actually, this is part of your homework. When you are reminding God about, um, about uh, who he is, it's what he has done in the past, 
either, most preferably in here, because what I see in the word of God is certain, a lot of things that happened, the, a lot of miracles that happened in the Bible were miracles that had to happen because the prayers were in the will of God. And for us to know, I, I gave you an example of uh, God, give me a Lamborghini, give me a Lamborghini. And probably God is, well, not probably, God knows that that Lamborghini will make this boy never to come to church on Sundays. He will be driving it on 407 every Sunday. So that's, those are things that we want to, to then consider when we come to God and say, in my life, God, you have all of us here, we are miracles. We are miracles. And not because we are good enough. It's because he is good enough. Yeah. He has just been that good enough, and that's a miracle. That's something for us to remind him of. That, Lord, none of us has a switch. Uh, am I right? A switch to their lungs. To say, lungs, now start breathing. No. He is the one who knows that we all have cars, right? We receive calls, uh, say your car is uh, due for, for oil change. God is doing that oil change without us going into a service. You know? He is, he is replenishing us every day. Without aid, all of us jumped out of bed. We stretched it, we took our bath, we are smiling, we are happy. There are a lot of things happening around us, but that's all noise. Let's focus on what has God done to us, what has God done for us, what there are so numerous things that he has done without us. Most of them, if we are to be honest, we don't even deserve them. We don't even deserve them. If we look and try to say, um, if I am to be rewarded with a breath for every good thing that I do, none of us would be breathing, right? So he is so loving. He is the God that loves us, that he has given us everything that we need, and that he is watching over us, his word confirms that he even knows us, he even knows that this boy is going to come to my throne room and he's going to be talking to me about this, he's going to be asking me to, to heal this person, to heal the people that he doesn't even know. And he loves it that way. So that's why I said in the past, it's also very good to just go and hang out with him. And when you hang out with him, it's a matter of time. You will not want to hang out with anything else. And we know that he's a holy God. We know that he's a God who loves us. We know that he's a God who loves the good things for us. 
it's a given. We'll walk out of that throne room with all the joy that we need, with all the, the happiness that we need. And a lot of times, if we are to be truthful, we walk into this, uh, into this throne room uh, beaten, disappointed, discouraged, and you know, all sorts of things. But I don't know about you. When I walk out of that throne room, I'm so, I'm like a changed person. I'm a changed person. Why? Because I am hanging out with God. I'm hanging out with God. So this is what we need to do as a people. Because he, he, he gave us this passport, this prayer is just a passport. We, you know, when we, we apply for a passport, we pay for that passport, right? How about this one? For free. For free. All you need is your willingness to just be on your highway to the throne room, from your bedroom, from your bathroom, from your sitting area, from the park. Because you don't have to be uh, in a specific place. Right? When I get into my car, sometimes I, 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 I ask myself some questions with my, which might be like uh, silly questions, but they are real. I even, I even say to my, I talk to my car, especially when I'm not with her. <laughs> I, I'm like, okay, now you, you know I'm here. You know where we are going, right? I, 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 I have a conversation with my car because I believe that um, we, because of the Holy Spirit that lives in us, we have the power to declare what we want to see in areas that we own. In our houses, in our houses, let those walls know that, okay, Debbie is now here. Because they know that Debbie is going to come and anoint them. And she's going to come and pray and slap those uh, walls and everything. Because that way, we are actually praying and we are also telling the, the, the things that we own, how to behave, how to to do certain things. It's just the same way um, the water of the sea. Let's think of uh, when uh, Moses was crossing uh, the Red Sea. He commanded the water to, to, to move. And they walked through uh, dry, dry land. That's because water has ears. We don't think like it that way, but it only happened when they said it. When we say something to a microphone, when I tell it something, it has to hear. It has to 
to, 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 to understand that I am speaking from this, this authority, and so it has to, to, to do what I need it to do. Anyway, uh, because of time, let's move on. Uh, we are now on verse 10. And now here are the people of Ammon. He has now come to, he has now moved from reminding God to, to about himself, about the people of Judah. He is now, that's the middle part of the, the model prayer. Uh, it says, verse 10, and now here are the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt, but they turned from them and did not destroy them. Here they are, rewarding us by coming to throw us out of our possession with you, which you have given us to inherit. O our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude that is upon, that is coming against us. Nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. That's key. But our eyes are upon you. He has said all those things that are distressful. He's, I'm in a distressful, distressing uh, environment right now. These people, we are, we are so weak if we compare ourselves to them. But our eyes are upon you. That means we are handing this all to you. He acknowledged that the people were coming, who were coming against them were so powerful. And if you were God listening to Jehoshaphat making those words or saying those words, these people, you know, at some point we wanted to invade them when we were coming from Egypt. But you, you said don't. They are the same people who are now coming to invade us and these people are strong. They will definitely defeat us. but our eyes are upon you. If God hears that, what would you say? It, he would do everything in his power to then say, these people are acknowledging that it's about me. This is the battle for me, not my people. And listen to what happened, uh, verse 13. Now all Judah, with their little ones, their wives and their children stood before the Lord. That's, that's another key there. We are talking about Jehoshaphat here as the leader of Judah. But the Bible here is saying, now all the women all the children, all the men, we could say all of Judah stood before the Lord. It's something that is 
within our hands to also pray for our households, those that are under our guidance. We need to be the ones to stand up in prayer. I know I, I have uh, so many, so many very close relatives, friends, who are way, way away from God, but I am here to be the ambassador who pray for those people. Again, it's taking us back to what we, where we have to go. All we have to do is, God, here is my, my, my son, here is my grandson, here is my granddaughter, here is my father, here is my husband. Deal with them. With them. He's not going to deal with them in a harsh way. God is love. God, it's amazing how all of us, if we were to, to, to give testimonies of how we got to God, a lot of us were in the darkest of the darkest areas, right? We don't have to feel bad about that. That's where I was, but I'm no longer there. Oh, because of him. Because if, he, if I could, I would love to go back there. Because that's what this flesh wants all the time. But when we pray and bring our children, our households to God, when we have a need for prayer, we are coming as an army into the throne room. We are saying, grandfather is not feeling well. As a family, let us pray. It's, it's easier, it's encouraging to us as a family than grandfather is not feeling well. This tribe is, uh, this grandfather is, uh, 35 people here, but only one is saved. This one is the only one on his knees or her knees praying for this grandfather. It's discouraging to this, this person who is saved. But if these 35 people, all of them, are saying, oh, grandfather shall not die. God, are you not the God who raised Lazarus? God, are you not the God who said, what do you see? Prophesy to those dry bones, and they'll come alive. Grandfather, be healed in Jesus' name. It's, it's, it becomes easier for everyone. Not that it's what will move God, but we take away the stress from each other as a family. So prayer is there for us as individuals, it's there for us as a family. And here we are seeing that Jehoshaphat is using his leadership as a family, as a leader of Judah to lead these people against the, uh, to lead the, the, the house of Judah against these people who wanted to invade them. Um, where am I? 
we're on verse 13, right? I lost my notes. Let's, let's move on to verse 14. Then the spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, the son of Mataiah, a Levite of the sons of Asaph, in the midst of the assembly. And he said, listen, all of you Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem, and you King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow go down against them. They will surely come up by the ascent of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. You will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourselves, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you. O Judah and Jerusalem, do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord is with you. Sometimes, in fact, a lot of the times, the way God does things or the way God answers your prayer is not what you are expecting because he's God. He's, this, the prophet is saying, you will not need to fight. Just go there. You will not. Anyway, let's proceed. And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem bowed before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. Then the Levites of the children of the Kohathites and of the children of the Karahites stood up to the, praise the Lord of Israel with voices loud and high. So they rose early. This is on the day of the battle now. They rose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Teco. And as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you shall be established. Believe his prophets, and you shall prosper. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord. Come on, we are going to battle. Let's, let's arrange a, a worship team. And who should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army and were singing. Praise the Lord for his messengers forever. His messengers forever. Sing praise, sing praise. So it, it, it doesn't have to be. They were talking about mercy there. They wanted God's mercy. Probably what you want there is love. 
His love endures forever. His love endures forever. Sing praise. Sing praise. Now, these guys are in a battle, remember? But they are having a fun. They are having a party. They are singing. They are dancing. His message was forever. Let's see what was happening at that point. Now when they began to sing, when they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, and they were defeated. Wow. Wow. These guys were, they just, all they did was, they listened to what the prophet said. Do A, B, C, D. Can you imagine if they said, okay, these guys are so, so strong. Please go and take the extra ammunition which we have. Can you go to Israel and borrow extra ammunition and we'll fight these guys? They would have been defeated. But they went by what the prophet had said. You guys don't have to do anything. And these three tribes started fighting against each other. Okay, let's, let's see what happened next. For the people of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Se to utterly kill and destroy them. These three, three tribes were coming together as one against Jehoshaphat, but they are the ones who are fighting each other. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Se, they helped to destroy one another. So when Judah came to a place overlooking the wilderness, they looked toward the multitude, and there were their dead bodies. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Fallen on the earth, no one had escaped. Watch that. Next verse. When Jehoshaphat and his people came to take away their spoil, they found among them an abundance of valuables on the dead bodies and precious jewelry which they stripped off for themselves more than they could carry away. And they were three days gathering the spoil because there was so much. Can you imagine? And on the fourth day, <coughs> excuse me, on the fourth day they assembled in the valley of Beraka, for there they blessed the Lord. Therefore, the name of that place was called the Valley of Beraka until this day. Amen? Um, I don't know about you. Uh, actually, we need to. Uh, is that the last verse? On, on, uh, then they returned every man of Judah and Jerusalem with Jehoshaphat in front of them to go back to Jerusalem with joy, for the Lord had made them rejoice over their enemies. Verse 28, so they came to Jerusalem with stringed instruments, harps, and trumpets to the house of the Lord. We can stop there, because at that time, this is the last part of the model prayer. We are rejoicing. This is where we are singing the hallelujah. 
we came to him first in the first part we are saying god you are holy god you are this god you are what we come to ourselves we are saying jehoshaphat is saying Lord, look at these people. They are coming against us. They want to kill us. They want to destroy us. They want to do A, B, C, D. But we are so weak, but our eyes are on you. And when that part happens, where the enemy is now destroyed, what do you do? Nothing but sing the hallelujah. That's when they are moving, marching, and they are singing the hallelujah. Okay, uh, sorry I went a, a bit over time. Uh, you know, when I read stories like those ones, I always want to be <laughs> jumping in, you know. They, they make me too excited. But um, let's do um, the last part. We are just going to do very short prayers. Uh, they don't have to be loud. You could quietly make this prayer. I will lead you. And then... Uh, I haven't forgotten your homework. I'll give you your homework later. I don't know where you are today, this afternoon. You probably are feeling very happy. The Bible says, uh, sing psalms. Sing psalms to him. There are many, many psalms in the Bible. There are many uh, God loves it more when you sing your own psalm to him. Write him a poem about what you are feeling. I'm feeling very happy because of A, B, C, D. Write him a poem and sing that poem to him. You probably are in a situation where you are thinking this is a desperate situation. I can't go forward, I can't go back. It looks like in front of you is the Red Sea. Behind you is Pharaoh and his army. Remind God of how he parted the Red Sea. Oh, you are probably in a situation where your dreams are dead. The things that you, th you always thought, oh, okay, when I get to this point, I want to do this, I want to do Prophesy to that, to those dreams. Prophesy to those dreams. Think of uh, the value of dry bones. What do you see? Yes, I see a dead situation here. Do you think this will ever leave? This bones? do you think they will ever leave? I don't think so, but only you, God, know. And God says, prophesy to those dry bones. So that dead situation that you are seeing in your life, that dead situation which you are seeing in your children, that dead situation which you are seeing in your household, prophesy over that dead situation. And um, the last one that I want us to all pray for
is you, you may not have a young child or, or a granddaughter, grandson or what. But I want us to pray for, for children. Children here in the gathering place, children in our communities, children in our country, children all over the world. Because the world systems are really attacking these children. They are being taught that they, it's okay for them to be not to be called him or yeah. But we know that God does not want that. And these are innocent souls who can not just be given to the devil just like that because of the world systems. And so, Lord, we commit these children to you, Lord. We know that through them, they are the ones who are going to bring revival. They are the ones who are going to be leading these people. They are the ones who are going to be leading us. They are the ones who are going to be ruling after us. Is this the world that you want? Raise up an army, Lord, through these children. That they will know that they will not worship any other God. That they will know that there is only one God. That they will know that there is only one true God and that God is you, God, Yahweh. We pray, Lord, that your will be done in these children and through them revivals are going to pop from one country to the other. Teach them, Lord, is there anyone, any one child who is not with you, Lord? You alone know them. And you alone know how to bring them to you. We recommit and we rededicate all the children that we know in our lives, Father. Children, youths, young adults, we rededicate them to you, Lord. We hand them over to you. Even if they don't know you, even if they have not made that personal confession to be your children, we give them to you, Lord. For only you can do the right thing with them. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Finally, uh, your homework is um, Psalm 77. Remember when Pastor John was talking about uh, the importance of the number seven in the Bible? The Lord led me to Psalm 77. Psalm 77 is actually a, a psalm of a, someone who is in a distress, is in distress and they are trying to pray. And you will see those three sections that we defined, well, that we have discussed earlier on, reminding God of who he is, about ourselves, and the praise at the end. So, every day of 
your life from now. My homework, by the way, is for eternity. <laughs> so every day of your life, let's start by, excuse me, let's start by just reminding God of seven things, seven things that he is. That's, that's, let's start there. Let's, 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 let's make it a habit that at least, at least once a day we remind God of seven things, of who he is, what he has done. I, I, you know it, there is a lot of them. I already mentioned that all of us can just breathe without putting any effort because of him. So that's, that's the homework. Um, Otherwise, uh, thank you. That's all I needed to share with you. We hope you were blessed by this message. Don't forget to join us later this week for a message from Pastor William Souza. Hope to see you then.